parts of John 15. We're actually right in the middle of this of the, of of, of Jesus' longest recording, uh, recorded teaching uh, and prayer, and uh, and we're we're right in the previous two parts of this chapter. Uh, they were all about the love of God, our relationship and our connection to God, and our relationship and connection in loving one another. And that brings us up here to quite a contrasting section of the text that Jesus is going to talk about, uh, starting in verse 18 of John 15. Let's read that uh, in verse 18 of John 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would, would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have, been, have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Let's go to God in prayer. Uh, God, thank you so much for uh, even the more difficult parts of the Bible where we see uh, hatred. And we see division and we see difficulty that can and will come as a result of our commitment to you. Father, we're so grateful that you guide us through that. Uh, even the next part where it, 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 it encourages us that we, will, we have the Holy Spirit. And uh, God, but right now, help us to focus on really figuring out um, where we are at uh, and, and, and even asking ourselves questions that we may not be comfortable asking but yet need to be asked nonetheless. Father, we're so grateful, uh, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I had a video for you. I completely forgot about it. Let's forget about the video. Um, uh, and it, I just, yeah, it just slipped my mind. Sorry about that. Uh, it was a great video. I'll show it another time. Who loves Christmas time? Yeah. Who loves Christmas time because you get gifts? Come on, be honest. Um, we, had our, we had our gift exchange. Uh, we did our family Christmas yesterday. I love Christmas. Uh, it is a time, you know, Christmas, though, we have to acknowledge that it's a difficult time for some people, uh, for those that have lost family members or friends or, or that are having difficult relationships in the family. It can be a tough time. And we need to acknowledge that and make sure that we're encouraging and, and even keeping in touch with people that might be going through those difficult times. But it's a time, typically, for many, that family comes together. You might see that, 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 that auntie that, that gives you that sweater that, you, that you know, has your name embroidered in the middle of it, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that, that, or that big bunny outfit, as the Christmas story has. Um, it, 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 for various reasons, most of us like Christmas, and it's an enjoyable time. But this, this scripture we just read is quite contrasting that time. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about even, even the time of year, even, even the effect of Jesus coming to the earth and what it had. We'll look at that uh, because I didn't, I didn't preach it this year, maybe next year. Uh, there's a great sermon that can be done out of John chapter 12, I'm sorry, Revelation 12 about Christmas. 
which I'm going to look at in just a little bit. Uh, but in this text here, whenever Jesus uses the term world, uh, he, he, it, he uses it many times, and it's, John uses that word world many times in his writing. In this particular point, it, 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 it means that it's talking about the world, this, this mass of unbelievers indifferent or hostile to God and his people. Whenever he uses here, whenever he says the world hates them, this, the, the, the Greek tense of the word hate, it implies the world's hatred is a fixed attitude toward him. And that it's not going to change over time. That it is what it is. Uh, there's, a, uh, you know, the, the, uh, there, there's this hatred that was so fixed that it carried over to the disciples, those that followed the Jewish leaders at the time. You know, the, the world assumes this attitude because most of, much of the world rejects all who do, do not conform to the lifestyle of the world. And, they, and, and if we aren't for them, we're against them. That, that kind of the division, which we'll talk about as well, that comes from following Jesus. I read uh, this, this story from, from one of the, the commenta- commentators. It says, once an African chief, in this, uh, in, in this case a woman, uh, happened to visit a mission station. Hanging outside the mission, missionary's cabin on a tree was a little mirror. The chief happened to look into the mirror and saw her reflection with its hideous paint and evil features. She gazed at her own terrifying countenance and jumped back in horror, exclaiming, Who is that horrible-looking person inside that tree? Oh, the missionary said, it is not in the tree. The glass is reflecting your own face. The African would not believe it until she held the mirror in her hand. She said, I must have the glass. How much will you sell it for? Oh, the missionary said, I don't want to sell it. But she begged until he capitulated. She took the mirror, exclaiming, I will never have it making faces at me again. She threw it down and broke it to pieces. This is what is happening in in Jesus' time. The Jews do not want to know what they look like. They they, They want to hear what they desire to hear. And here Jesus is trying to help his followers under he's prepared the timing of this is he's preparing his followers for what it's going to be like for all of them and the difficulties that are to come because because to be forewarned is to be forearmed you can be ready for that and that's what Jesus is doing here uh, they they didn't like what they were being sh- the, the 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 Jews were not didn't like it and so they were opposed and they're just a, a matter of a few hours from Jesus's arrest here uh, and this and this and this hatred of the teaching of Jesus and the persecution of Christians it continues from that time to today you know even, even the persecution you hear about today but this is really a fulfillment of the promise of the scriptures that P- Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3:12 in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted christian persecution is guaranteed from the Scriptures. Uh, be, following Jesus is a guarantee of difficulty. It's not a guarantee of wealth and health as many want to try and preach it. That is no gospel at all. That is not true. What is promised is opposition. It is a promise. Christian persecution, it, it shouldn't be avoided. We're not meant to Run from it. 
And, and, and Matthew 23, woe to you when all men speak well of you. That's, it's not meant to be easy. A Christian apologist from the early church, Tertullian, said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Because what was happening in trying and attempting to shut down what was happening in the church in attempting to shut down the truth of Jesus, actually what happened was that it grew. And it grew. And it reached most of the known world at that time. Going, going. If you if you visit many places in the, it, it, we went to, we got the chance to go to Chennai, India, and there's a, you know, the, uh, I believe it was Thomas that, that went to southern India, got all the way to India in his mission, mission work, and was killed there. And there's a there's a church on top of the hill, and they they have the cave where they believe that he was he 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 ended up at being killed because because opposition it actually drove the church to greater and greater things. Because their opposition actually just proved that they were doing something right. Let's go over in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, in verse 33. Acts chapter 5 in verse 33. The disciples are, the disciples are preaching in verse 33. It says, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. That's what's going it, this is that, that's how we know it confirms this is from God. Because you and I are here. If you're following Jesus today, it's because of the work that they did in the first century and how God preserved his word for for for, for decades and centuries until here we have it today. Today we're going to look at a couple reasons why this persecution occurs. The first reason is that our allegiance has changed. Back to our text in verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And also earlier in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Our allegiance has changed. That's why people are opposed to you. We all have allegiances to, to football teams. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm proud of it. I, I'm not going anywhere. Yes, every now and again, I want to burn all of my Dallas Cowboys stuff. Uh, and my, you know, only one of my sons is not a Dallas Cowboys fan. He makes it readily known. And, you know, he's, you know, that's okay. I let him go. 
Uh, the other one was at one point, Ryan, but he's now come back to the fold, uh, which I, I'm, I'm excited by. And my daughter's married to a Redskins fan, but she's still a Cowboys fan. I know it, uh, but she wears Redskins gear, and, you know, that's okay. But, it, but, but, but we have allegiances. I, we lived in England for five years, and, and one, of the, one of the most incredible things that we saw was the radical nature of soccer fans in England. It is it's scary. Actually, they consider it tribal the way that it is. You, like, you can't go. They fight. They can't sit together. Watch an English Premier League. It, you, you, you know the opposing team's fans because they're surrounded by security guards. They actually have security guards lining the stands on both sides. I'm not, that's no joke. Go on TV and see. And then whenever the opposing team scores, the only people cheering are the people in that corner. And they actually keep them there at the end of a match until everybody else leaves, and then that group gets to leave. I'm not, that's, that, that is absolutely true. Uh, it, they call it a gentleman's game played by hooligans. That's what they, that's, it's, it's, and, and, and rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen. Rugby, they shake hands. It's, it's just how it is. But, but they are, they are absolute. And, and I, I, I'm a Chelsea fan. I, I've supported Chelsea. And then I changed, which is not very well known or liked in England. And then I changed back. I'm a Chelsea fan now. But I, my allegiance has shifted. And some people may not like that. But we, we, we do have allegiances. But when you change allegiance, sometimes the people you left aren't very happy. In family, if you, if you left your family, they wouldn't be very happy with you. By choice, you chose to join another family and, and you didn't return to your old family. Your family would be outraged. They would be angry not only at you, but the family that took you in. They may not hate you, though some might. They'd be bitter and do whatever necessary to try to pull you back into the family. That's what's happening when you become a Christian. You are saying, I'm leaving the world and I'm joining God's family. I'm becoming part of something that, that, that doesn't make sense to most people. But it makes complete sense to God. Christ wholeheartedly, we no longer belong to the world. We used to belong to the world. I was incredibly worldly, involved in everything that the world offered to me. It, 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 nothing, nothing was 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 off limits. Whenever I was, before I followed Christ, it didn't matter. The drugs, the immorality, the impurity didn't matter. I had no standard, and I was getting along just fine, or so I thought. I was lost, without hope, under the prince of the world, and that's that's what we all were, without Jesus. And that's what the world was toward Jesus in his time. They hated Jesus. And therefore, as Jesus says in this text, they hated God. They persecuted the followers of Christ. They were guilty of denying Christ and his power. That's, that's who I was. And if you're following Jesus today, that's who you were. But there's an opportunity to get out of that. God opens the door for that through Jesus. Somebody, if you're a Christian, somebody invited you to church or you began studying the Bible with them or you woke up one day and you just realized, man, my life is a mess. Whenever my first wife said to me, uh, 
That's how I became a Christian. By the way, I, I was met by somebody on a uh, submarine. Long story. But the, the day after my first wife said, I want you out of the house, I went to work the next day. And a guy who had been inviting me to church for about two and a half years, I went to him. His name's Rob. I said, Rob, I need to come to your church, and I need a place to live, too. Uh, can, I, can I live and move into your barracks room and, and live, live there, and, and I need to come to your church? And that was May of 1996. I never stopped going to church. Uh, and and, and it's, it's only because of, I remember the first Bible study I had. Actually, it was about six months before that time. Uh, we, were, we were underway, and Rob was asking me to study the Bible, and I was in a pretty rough spot. He knew my situation was not good, and, uh, and he asked me to study the Bible. And we went into the very farthest forward part of this, the, the boat you can, down, down where the diesel engine is, this big, giant red diesel engine. And he studied the word study with me, looking at scriptures on the validity of the word and why we can trust the word and, and how we can seek God through the word. And, and I sat there, and I was, 20, um, I was 23 at that time, and I wept like a child. I remember it. It was, it was, I had never seen anything like that, but I was stubborn. You know, I, 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 was, I, was, I was proud. I, I, I didn't care enough to engage. And it still took another six months until God really allowed me to be humbled through my own sin. That's, that's how God works. God brings people into our lives, and we get a chance to be freed from the world and to get our lives straightened out and no longer slaves to the world in sin. But the world is not happy. And there's opposition because we're no longer part of their family. There's no longer to that, and they're mad. The world is angry, and, 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 and it's not politically correct to say that the way to Jesus is the only way. That's not politically correct. But no one was more exclusive than Jesus was. In this text, verses 20 to 25, Jesus says time and again, them and us. He knew the division would occur. And look, look in Luke chapter 12. I think I have it here. Luke chapter 12. This is what Jesus brought. I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus knew what they could expect. And he was preparing them. This is what is going to happen. Among the, among the family of believers, there's great unity. But between believers and the world, there can be a, there's a great divide. And it is, just, it is a product of the fact. I want to ask those who here today who are following Jesus, are you still getting this type of opposition in your life? Or have you become the chameleon Christian? You know what a chameleon is, right? A chameleon just blends in. We've all seen 
what's the one Mike Wazowski? Monsters Inc. I've my kids are all older. We haven't watched that one yet. Monsters Inc. You had the lizard. What was the lizard's name? Randall. What was Randall's specialty? He blended into the crowd. Have you become that way as a Christian? Someone who shows up at work and you just become like everybody else. Get, get engaged in all the same stuff, all the same conversation, all the, all the, the worldliness and all that comes with it. On campus, at school, are you someone different here than you are there? Or, are, you know, for, 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 for all of us, the temptation is great because the culture, the cultural pull is huge. James 4, James writes, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Same word for world, by the way. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. If I asked, took a poll of 100 people out on the street, do you want to be an enemy of God? I don't know any of them that would say yes. But yet, if we're not following Jesus, this is what we can expect. We are either an enemy of one or an enemy of the other. There is no middle ground. Do people know who you represent? Do people know what I'm about? When people meet you and spend time with you, does it take you, how long does it take you before they know that you're following Jesus? How long does it take before you bring Jesus into a conversation? Before you're talking so much about your family that they're saying, please stop, go back to your cubicle. You know, you're talking so much about Jesus. Please stop talking about Him. I don't want to hear it. Or if you just blended in. We can't be afraid to stand up and speak up for what is right. If you have a friend that is, calls themselves a Christian, are you speaking up and saying, hey, can we sit down and look at the Bible? Because what I'm seeing in your life, and I'm not, I'm not perfect, and I'll show you, I'll be happy to share with you my struggles, but, 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 but what you're representing, calling yourself a Christian, and doing this is not okay. Let's hold each other accountable. Whatever it might be, get into their lives. Stand up and speak up. Stand up to family. It's a time, I, I'm not saying go home. If you're going home for Christmas, don't go home and rebuke your family and tell them that they're going to hell. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know what you need to do to go home and win your family? Do the dishes. Do the dishes. Why is, Joanna, you're looking very strange at your sons. I don't understand that. Yeah. But, but just, just go home and serve them. Go home and give to them. Go home and encourage them. Tell them how God has changed your life. You don't have to, don't make the mistake I made. I hurt my family whenever I became a Christian. I said things that, that to this day I can't have conversation about, about, about following Jesus with my family to this day because of my mistake. Don't make the same mistake I made. Love them like Jesus loved the church. But don't be afraid. Let people know who you belong to. Let them know where your allegiance is. 
And let me tell you, if you don't say anything, they'll figure it out. And your silence will speak volumes. Your silence in your words or your silence in your behavior will speak volumes. Don't be a chameleon Christian. Be a Christian the way the Bible says. Why else does the world hate followers? Because they don't know the one that sent Jesus. In verse 21, all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. They, they do not know. It, it literally means they had no proper concept of God. It's not that the Jewish leaders had not heard of God. Of course they had. They could have quoted the, 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 the Torah, the law. They could have quoted the prophets to you. They could have said absolutely, they know the right things. But their hearts were far from God. Uh, they, were, they were committed to following God as their, as their system had created but their concept of God was, was incorrect, was misdirected. They knew what the law said. They knew the words, but they had lost the heart connection. And that's why God sent Jesus was because He wanted to save the world and He knew this group was not going to do it the way they were going. It wasn't for lack of information. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. In verse 24, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. They saw the Word. They heard the Word. They saw the miracles. And they still didn't believe. They had been spoken to by Jesus about God. They had witnessed His miracles. And they refused to believe. And now they're guilty of sin. It doesn't mean that they had no sin before. Jesus brought their hearts to the surface. He preached and brought exposure. And they opposed Him. Sadly, we live in a time that I think most would consider biblically, biblically ignorant. That's what much of the world is. The world has drifted so far away from biblical ideas, even the celebration of Christmas has become so much about commercialism. And many people just don't understand that, that they don't understand how significant the birth of Christ really were really was, and, and that, that in fact it was a declaration of war against sin and against Satan. Look over in Revelation 12. Here's your Christmas part of the sermon. You can say I heard it. Although this doesn't sound much like Christmas. In Revelation 12, verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, she might he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she, was a she, she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. This is a picture of the spiritual. There's so many, so many things here that I can't even begin to, 
to explain in the short time I have. But it's a, clearly a reference to the birth of Christ. And to the war that's going on in the, in the heavens above that we cannot see and how angry Satan is about the birth of Christ. People don't understand that when Jesus was born, revolution was going to happen. Arising up against the religious part of the world and, 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 and the truth of Jesus was going to be preached whether they liked it or not. The world doesn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. I didn't understand the significance of Jesus in my life until I did those Bible studies I described to you. I had no idea about the expectations that God had for my life. I was shocked whenever somebody took out the Bible and showed me that I can, in fact, have a mission that can make a difference in someone's eternity. That's the kind of life I want to live that has eternal impact. Not just Sunday to Sunday. You're just coming because it's, it's what you do. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. Do you still... Are you one of those that might not understand following Jesus, even if you're following Jesus and you're not getting in your Bible? Do you still have the same convictions you had before? It's not just the non-religious that, 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 that are missing it. Even many who claim to have faith, claim to, to believe but have a godless life. That's who I was. I claimed to believe, yet my life was a mess. Someone asked me, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but my life was a mess. By His grace, I was saved. And sadly, that first marriage ended in divorce. God had mercy on me and gave me my amazing wife. We've been married 21 years now. I have two sons and our daughter is, she was, she, she's from my first marriage. She's lived with us for most of her life. And now she's married, doing great, celebrating two years of marriage. It's amazing what God has done. But it's only because God brought people into my life to show me who He is. To show me how significant Jesus is. Not how Jesus was. How He is significant today. The religious people Jesus is talking about were incredibly intelligent. Their knowledge was amazing, but they had lost heart. This can happen to those who claim to be committed today. You know the truth, but you just start going through the motions. You lose heart. You come to church and you put some money in the basket or you send it by Venmo or do it automatically so you don't really have to think about it. Maybe even serving in one way or another. And, the, and even doing good things. But are you focused on the most important thing? Are you focused on helping people for eternity? None of us started out that way. When I was a brand new Christian man, nobody could shut me up. But now... I, I sometimes struggle to share my faith with people in the store because I'm afraid. 
Yes, that happens. I've been I've been Christian seventeen. I've been in ministry full time seventeen years, and I still get fearful going into a grocery store to share my faith. That happened. It, it's it's true. I'm not any. I, hey, I, I I praise God for grace. But are you continuing? If you you did it at one time, are you continuing to? Seek out and search out the word. Maybe, maybe you've been doing it a long time, and you need it, it. The longer we've been Christians, it actually takes more time in the word. It takes more commitment, devotion, and time. If you think, "Oh, I've been a Christian a while. I can handle it. I can do life with quiet times." No, you can't. A quiet time is just simply time to get in the Bible and read and spend some time praying. Do I miss quiet times? I have missed quiet times. Yes, I have. And I'm in the full-time ministry. I have. But if that, and, and if that became my regular pattern, woe is me, and I feel bad for you guys too. Prayerfully, that will never happen. But do you know God? Do you know God's Word? That's how you know. You, I, it's clear by your life. It's often clear by your face. It's often clear by how happy you are, how joyful you are, how you handle conflict, how you handle difficult times, how you handle challenges. Helps us understand whether whether you are connected to God or not. If this describes you as a follower of Jesus, get help. Ask someone. Beg God. It's, it's the end of the year. 2019's almost gone and over. And hey, 2020's coming in just about a week and a half. I'm excited about it. I love New Year's, new beginnings. Sometimes the same goals I had last year and the year before that, the year before that. But what, what's next year going to look like for you? Is it going to be different in your commitment to God and His Word? Is it going to be different in your commitment? to seeking and saving the lost. Is it going to be different, or are you just going to blend into the crowd? I pray that we don't lose heart. Here on the peninsula, let it never be said that, man, they were, they were really full on a Sunday, but, but, but there's no heart connection. What's amazing in all of this is it's really Jesus making clear that we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to be one with Jesus. It's, it's amazing that it's even possible. It's humbling. It's exciting. But it also comes at a cost. That we will be hated just as Jesus was hated. If you're following Jesus as the Scriptures call us to, you'll be opposed by people that you would never think oppose you. And we're not trying to make enemies, but if we're preaching the truth, not everyone's going to accept what you have to say. You're going to be bothered. They're going to be bothered by your persistence. Don't quit. They're going to be annoyed by your continual mentioning of the Scriptures in your life. Don't quit. They're going to be annoyed by how committed you are to the church and how much you talk about your friends and wife and kids. Don't quit. They'll oppose you when you call them out if they claim to be a Christian and aren't living that way. Don't quit. No matter what, don't quit. Opposition is good. Let it fuel you. Let it encourage your soul. It builds our character and helps us to get a small glimpse of what's going on in the spiritual realm around us. 
It helps us get a small glimpse that we get a chance to suffer a little bit like Jesus did, and it really is just a little bit. It's actually quite embarrassing to even compare the two. Don't get discouraged. Praise God that you get to suffer for His name. Let it spur us on to share more. Let it be said that we persevered in the face of persecution, that we're able to make a difference in the lives of others for eternity. And praise God that you had the opportunity to suffer for the sake of Christ. They killed the one who is our Lord. What makes you think it's going to be any easier for you and I? Let's live that way on the peninsula. Amen, church. Let's all stand and sing.